My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. Well, 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 it's Wednesday, August 21st, 2019. This is Messiah Matters number 270. Feeling like we barely had a break. My name is Caleb Hag, And I'm Rob Vanna, feeling like it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, how you doing, man? Doing well. It does feel like, it feels fresh. It feels like there's a fall. It's almost like we're anticipating that the feeling of fall when the school season starts and that sort of thing, you know? Yes. Although technically, you know, we still got another month of summer. Wait, hang on just a sec. Paul, you're not coming to the you're not coming to the conference? Shame. What? Shame, shame, shame. Uh, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, we are going to Ontario. And that does not mean Ontario, California. We're going to Ontario, <laughs> Canada. Um, right. and I didn't even know there was an Ontario, Canada or California. And now I know that there actually is. Yeah, um, when people from California started saying we can't wait to see you. We were like, what are you talking like about? Because it's like Ontario CA. <laughs> it's ambiguous. Uh, yeah. Um, we're going to Canada. I got to say, I'm excited for it. Actually, I got a book here. Check this out. This is one of the books I've been reading in anticipation. What you got there, homie? <laughs> nice. Yes. Uh, this is a, for those who can't see. It's called Heresies. Heresy hun- it's called Heresy Hunters. No. <laughs> it's called Heresies. Hey, that's, that's, that should be like an uh, arts entertainment TV show series. Heresy Hunters. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Does it's, that go all the way back to like first well, century? So stuff, or is that more I mean, like... I got to say whoever wrote this. Harold Brown. The dude's a, you know, he's a, he knows what he's talking about. He's a good scholar. Um, he, you know, he talks about common ground, structure and variation. So he looks at Gnosticism, the nature of Gnosticism, Docetism, um, Marcionism. Mm, good. So he, he starts all the way back at the, basically at the beginning of Christianity. Um, and I got to say, it's really good. In fact, one of the things that I'm thinking about doing, there's a chapter in it that I've been reading that's uh, very specific. He breaks things down really Easily, one of the things that I'm going to be uh, presenting in Ontario is a lecture titled "Is the Trinity Biblical?" I gotta say, I think that this entire show that we're about to uh, do is could all be tied into this one topic because everything you know we've we've talked many times about how everything in theology is essentially connected, and this is why we call uh, there's a this is why we call it systematic theology. It's all one big system. So if you get, you know, if you talk about one piece, ultimately you can get to another piece. I'm convinced more and more that the the Torah movement, however you want to say that, is uh, is derailing 
because of one major issue. But that major issue branches out into all different forms of theology. And that issue is degradation of the scriptures. And I think that... Uh, I think, it go, it go seems ahead. like the, it, takes, it takes time for this fruit to show. Like, for example, I, doctrines of grace. Right. So you might be part of a messianic community for a long time, and because of the newness, because people are, are just sorting through things, maybe of where they come from, Right, and then a new social worlds build up. It doesn't, you know, it it takes real digging to get to the point of what are the consequences of our ideas, what are the consequences of our doctrinal convictions, if we ha- and it, whether or not we even have them, and that takes a long time. And I, in my experience, I know if people are floaters, like let's say someone comes to a community and they kind of just float around and they're not really part of a community. Those people are even going to take longer before, you know, what, how would their lives be different if they had specific convictions? Um, but when you have a people who are in a community for a long time, even in that case, there could be so many different things going on that, that the consequences of, of core fundamental ideas might not bear fruit. They might not be exposed. And, and so what I'm hearing you say, and I think our show today will get into that. Um, it, it does seem to be that there's a difference between people who have uh, adhere to a doctrines of grace, people who uh, adhere to a dispensational and all this stuff is kind of lurking. Everybody's so excited about, Oh, messianic things generally in the broadest picture that it stays kind of shallow. Is that what or surface? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Well, that might be part. No. That might be part of it. <laughs> I, I think. I think what I'm trying to say. Okay, let's let's take. Um, let's take something like. The okay. Well, let's take the Trinity. So one of the things that I'm trying to, you know, basically I'm writing this this lecture, for, junior high high school, age people. At least I'm trying to. Usually when I do that what I end up doing is actually writing to people my own age, <laughs> right? But, you know, I try to explain things very easily so that anyone can get it. And one of the things that I've, one of the sections I'm writing right now is what are the consequences of, you know, like what, if we don't believe in the, in the Trinity, if we say the Trinity is wrong, it's a Roman Catholic invention, it came, it came from Platonic thought, Right. These are the these are some of the arguments. Okay. So let's take that. Let's live in that space for a few seconds. What's the repercussions? Well, ultimately, the repercussions is is we have to, um, we have to do a, a gymnastic act and bend these other these scriptures. We have to break these scriptures that talk about Yeshua's deity. We have to break these scriptures that talk about the holy the work of the Holy Spirit. And the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Well, what this does is it allows us to manipulate Scripture. As soon as you manipulate Scripture, you can make Scripture say whatever you want. You know, it's the same with the you know, and we'll talk about the Holy Spirit here. Oh, I hear, I hear what you're saying. That it's, it's a, if I if I leave a church that is heavily canon oriented, let's say, and has the systematic theology thing, but is 
keeps pushing an anti, you know, the Torah is not for today. That's a Jewish thing. And I, I'm, I come out of that and I start learning, oh, there's, you know, this rabbinic literature. Oh, different. What's the Jewish way of thinking of things, right? I, then all of a sudden I think, oh, that systematic theology is just an oppressive attempt by these institution, Christian institutions to like control what the scriptures mean. And therefore, I, I, I don't want to, because it's the same system that's telling me that the Sabbath's done away with. So I don't want that. Well, and, and So but, I want to go to a Jewish view. And so then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm going to read the rabbis, da, da, da. Right. And in an end, they're, they, they're not any closer to the scriptures. They're further <laughs> they've away. Just shift, they've shifted sideways rather than towards the scriptures. Well, and, you know, another thing that we're going to look at, I didn't... So uh, our good friend David Wilbur, he did a uh, debate with uh, somebody on the Book of Enoch, First Enoch, actually. We're not going to actually listen. I didn't pull any clips or anything. Wilbur did a, uh, a good job defending the fact that the Book of the Book of First Enoch should not be in the Scriptures. Of course, it was hosted by this group that thinks First Enoch should be in the Scriptures. So all of the comments underneath this. Uh, underneath this this discussion are all pro Enoch first Enoch should be in our Bibles. And I, I pulled a bunch of these comments to show the state of I mean here's the other here's the other thing. If you got people who profess to be believers, say that they're being led by the Holy Spirit, this is another thing I want to talk about today too. Say that they're being led by the Holy Spirit say that they're doing things in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus. I want to talk about that too. Maybe that's for another show, but there, I wrote a whole section uh, for this lecture on what it means in the name of Jesus. So you got all these people that are pushing these things, but then what they're doing is they're rejecting standard can canon and they're trying to add books. Yeah. I mean... Are these people brothers and sisters in the Lord? I, I suppose we would have to say yes, because they profess Christ. But at the same time, you are on extremely slippery ground at this point. Well, here's the funny thing. It's almost it's almost to the point of Mormonism. Here's why. It's because the book of Enoch, if you want to affirm it as canon, first of all, I wonder how many people in those communities that want to assert first Enoch as canon actually can read Ethiopic. Because that's the that's the only language where we have the whole book in, is in Ethiopic, and it's a translation of a translation. It might even be a translation of a translation of a translation. Can we go off the rails here for a few seconds? Can we look at? Uh, there was a email that came in this morning because somebody was like, "Oh, you're going to be talking about Enoch," and I don't know where in the world they figured out that we were talking about Enoch. Oh, but his computers are re reading minds now. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Boy, this guy's got insider info. Okay, it says in episode 232, and this is when we talked about Enoch. Uh, oh, wait, hang on. So this, yeah. I saw the sub subject for this because I want you to, this is, this is totally off topic. And honestly, we're going in reverse. That's okay. We haven't done this in a long time. So give us, give us grace here. Um, oh. No, we're not getting into the Book of Jubilees right now. Anyway, okay, so um, I saw the subject for show 270. I don't know how they saw that. And thought I better send this email fast. Maybe you'll see it before the show. I left the comment on your Enoch video but didn't get a reply or didn't go in depth. 
first and foremost, I do not agree with the book of Enoch. I have several friends who love the book and ignore inconsistencies in it. Asking these two questions in no ways makes me a proponent. Okay, fair enough. In episode 232, and I believe in at least another episode as well, Rob says that there is only a tiny fragment from Enoch in the Dead Sea Scrolls, 4Q204. However, in the book, A New Translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls, it says that 20% of the book was discovered and translated and, and translate the pieces, including 4Q204. Of course, it's fragmentary, but the translator has a system. Oh, good question. What I, what I meant in that episode, I appreciate that point because that's helpful to bring clarity in case other people had that. What I meant is in the discussion about Jude which is in the scriptures, citation. What I, I didn't mean that we only had one tiny fragment of what's called Enoch. What I meant to say is there's a tiny broken, I think three or four words that are taken, and they're in Aramaic, that are taken as the parallel passage from that first chapter that is uh, parallel to what Jude cites as a prophecy right. of Enoch. That's what I meant to say. So I, I misspoke. If it, if it came across that I was saying that's all there was to Enoch and the Dead Sea Scrolls, I, uh, I know that's not the case. So I, um, I'm talking specifically, and if I remember right, that was our conversation, was, was Jude cites Enoch, but not as scripture. He doesn't say it is written. He says as he, he, he shares it as an oral tradition as Enoch, an oral prophecy. And my position is that oral prophecy is, is ancient, but it's, it, it had distribution. There was a lot of people that knew that prophecy of Jude or, or of Enoch and Jude wrote it down in, in his own words. Well, I've said this and, before. And, I, I, and, I, I, and it, and then the people who wrote the book of Enoch took that as the seed. That's why it's at the very beginning of their book. They took that as a seed from the same oral tradition and then built all this other stuff around it that is not truly Enoch. So I've heard the argument, and I don't. I, I still need to look into this. I think I mentioned this on show 232. I still need to look into this. Uh, I heard it said that, that Jude is actually taking from multiple different authors that were famous but not canon in the first century, and that there's quotes from other books too. Yeah, yeah, like the... the uh, where he talks about uh, Michael uh, disputing over the body of Moses. Right. Yeah, that's not in, uh, obviously that's not in the Torah. That's another uh, tradition. But the, but the point is, Jude is not citing those as scripture. He doesn't right. say it is written. Well, I he's think, drawing I, on all these different things to, to teach the audience that he's writing to, right. about, to about how serious an issue false teachers are right how uh how there are in the hearts of men you know people who are gonna it's not like wolves going after sheep it's wolves who are dressing up as sheep getting in among the sheep right it's a it's a new level of of deceit and trickery and wickedness and this, that's his core point this person goes on the commentary on the ethiopian enoch being from the 1500s also confused me i'm assuming you are saying the Giez manuscript is from the 1500s. It's my yeah. understanding that act that I think it should be the actual. Uh, uh, hang on, Giez is Ethiopic. The actual Ethiopic, Ethiopian yeah. canon is older than that. 
It's my well, understanding. Yeah, that, that's what they tried to say. There's a mis- uh, there's a typo. Uh, they're trying to say it's my understanding that the actual Ethiopian canon is older than that. Well, do the research. You know, we only have the manuscripts that we have. So the way to do that is to go. You would have to uh, substantiate that claim. And the only way you could substantiate that claim is to have documentation that is physical manuscript from that dates to a certain period that actually says this is the, you know, the Ethiopic canon and it lists that because Jubilees is in there, too, which is completely incomprehensible because if someone wants to use the Ethiopic church's canon to legitimize the inclusion of First Enoch, but they're not going to include Jubilees as well, that's that's just pick and choose then, right? If you're going to use the Ethiopic canon, then use the Ethiopic canon, but then learn Ethiopic. And there's going to be all manner of problems that open up for you there. Um, so, so somebody, yeah. That, somebody says I'm in two windows. <laughs> oh, are you talking about the one up in the corner of Rob's? Of Rob's. Okay, hang on just a sec. Let me get, uh, let me, let me fix okay. this for the people online. <laughs> Hang on. Sorry. I don't understand, but that's okay. I don't need to. I don't need to change anything on my computer. You don't need to do anything. Hang okay. on just a sec. Let me let me get you. While you do that, the for people interested in reading and just from a historian and, and biblical scholarship perspective, get the Charlesworth, you know, two volume Old Testament pseudepigrapha. You can get it usually on sale. You can get it in a in a soft cover for probably 20 or 30 bucks. You get a used cop. It's a double volume set and it's got real solid introductions to each of those books and the history and what's known about them. It's not, there's no mystery here. You know, that, that's the thing. That's one of the things that really bothers me with like this at Sefer and all this, they, they capitalize on people's ignorance by sensationalizing things as if they're new or as if they're discovering we're dis- <laughs> they use the word discovery and we're, you know, correcting, returning to the ancient paths and all this new stuff. When in fact, if you just, you know, ask it a legitimate teacher, they'll tell you, you know, no, <laughs> don't, don't follow that. Uh, but here, here's, here's the basic facts. Um, uh, and, and that would be a good resource is the two volume, uh, James Charles world worth set. And it was done in the eighties, but it's still. It's still solid. Okay, let's uh, let's get to some things that we actually discussed about beforehand. Okay, there is a reason that we're going to talk about this conference. There's a conference in Spokane where where uh, Rob lives, and some folks from his congregation ended up at this conference, and uh, they said, not knowing, not knowing that uh, apparently they thought it was a legitimate messianic teacher uh, or something, and. Yeah, so it was called a Time to pl- to Plow conference, Dutch Sheets and Chuck Pierce. Now, I've heard the name Chuck Pierce before, but I'd never listened to any Chuck Pierce. Boy, yeah, oh boy, what an interesting... I've never, never inter- heard of either, either of them. I, apparently, they're touring, they, they're uh, you know, going around and teaching this at multiple sites. Here's the thing. Let me, let me, let me give some great... Let's do a compliment sandwich. 
Here's the thing, is that I've been thinking about the idea of spiritual warfare. Compliment sandwich. Yeah, that's what my wife does. She always says, she'll say that, like, oh, give them a compliment sandwich. That's when you say something nice, and then you blast them in the middle, and then you say something nice at the end. So really what you're trying to do is blast in the middle, but you need to say something nice around it to soften the blow. <laughs> oh. oh, I like that. Okay. My wife's hilarious, by the way. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait until she, she, you know, we had a child during our break. We had. Our oh, yeah, no doubt. Talk about. Yeah, we had little baby Spurgeon. Uh, Levi, Levi Spur Spurgeon. Levi Spurgeon, born July 15th. So here's here's how my wallet is going to fare in July. I got July 4th is my birthday. And of course, I don't have to worry about buying myself something. But the but the wife comes to me and says, here, the kids want to buy you something. So give them some money to go buy you something. So I'm giving away money to get something for myself. That's number one. So that's on the 4th of July. My birthday's on the 4th. My daughter's birthday is on the 9th of July. My anniversary is on the 10th of July. And then my son's birthday is on the 15th of July. So you can write your checks to me and send them on <laughs> July 1st. <laughs> if you want to help. If you oh. want to help me out. Um, okay. That's awesome. Anyway. Okay, that was compliment a joke, sandwich. Compliment, compliment sandwich. sandwich. Compliment sandwich. Here you go. You know, we read in Ephesians that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Or is that in Galatians? That's in Ephesians, right? Anyway, you know, this shows my my lack of biblical knowledge. I apologize. Um, but we, we, we see that our struggle is against uh, the rulers and the powers, spiritual forces of darkness, all these kind of things, right? So when I look at these guys... When I look at Chuck Chuck Pierce and and Dutch Sheets and they're they're talking about, you know, there's this spiritual mobilization in this region and, and I I'm not exactly sure how they know this. I don't know I don't know how they have figured out that that Spokane and Everett Washington are the uh, the spiritual battlegrounds right now of of the spiritual war in Washington State. I I mean to me you're getting some extra knowledge here. That, I mean, I would just assume. Well, that, it makes you feel important. Like, oh, I live here. Well, I, I suppose so. But I mean, the, the point is, is. Do they ever go to a place and say, yeah, we come to the city, but you guys aren't that you important? You guys are good. You guys, you don't, don't, you don't even need to worry about God's it. It's really not going to move here. So. <laughs> exactly. Actually, that's the thing is that, that I've noticed some, I watched, I endured two hours of this lecture. You. And, and then I went and I started watching other. So I spent about four hours watching Chuck Pierce. And I got to say, I noticed some key words that he keeps coming back to. Dominion. There, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or dimension. Dimension. Moving. Moving. Um, and it's always Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's and he's, uh, he says, so, you know, in the, and then in the name of Jesus, he says, basically we get into, into prophecy, right? He's, he's saying that he's prophesying what the Lord says. And then sometimes he'll, he'll shift into tongues, but yes. no one interprets. But no one yes. interprets anyway. Um, so uh, there's so many places I could go right now. Anyway, um, we have some audio clips, right? We do have audio clips. Hang on, just a sec, though. I want to. I want to finish this thought. One of the things that I've noticed is that, you know, like okay, yeah, I think that there is spiritual forces that we are fighting against, and I, I don't. Mm -hmm. 
I think there might be a, a bit of arrogance to say that the Lord has told me where all this stuff is going on and that I'm going to go to these places now and I'm going to mobilize the Christians or the believers to, you know, and or that what you specifically are doing is is waging war against these forces. Maybe that's true. And I don't want to downplay what the Holy Spirit could do to fight against darkness and the possibility demonic of something being true doesn't seem to be good grounds to preach it as if it is true. Anytime somebody says, thus saith the Lord, which was said multiple times in his in that in that conference, thus saith the Lord, and or Jesus told me, or God spoke to me and said, Here's the thing, though. Red flags me, all over the place. I didn't grow up that I just have never really been in circles. So that was new to me. So maybe are there, is this just the way it is in certain denominations? Like I, this is totally me being ignorant right now. Is this a normal thing in certain streams? Like you go back 20 years and there were people doing the same thing. Oh yeah. And that, so this is just, um, these are little indicators of what stream of Christianity he's influenced by. You know what I mean? Is 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 that what this is? I, I mean, I have to assume so. You know, I. by the way, I, there's, a, there's a new book out that I really, really want to get and read. It's by Coasty Hinn. And just huge accolades have been given on, on Twitter by really good evangelical preachers and scholars. Coasty Hinn, if you don't know who Coasty Hinn is, he's the, he's the nephew of Benny Hinn. And he just excoriates the prosperity gospel movement in this book, apparently. You know, he, he basically says this is nonsense and shows why. I really want to get And it's it. his own uncle? Yeah, his, I mean, his Benny. Oh, yeah, his, his oh. uncle's Benny Hinn. And he's, I mean, Coasty Hinn is a, is a pastor of an evangelical church. And, and I got to say, he's one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. He is, <laughs> he is on point. He is super on point. Humble and just, you know, you can tell that he's, he's, the Lord has grabbed him in mighty ways, which is great. Okay, let's get to this. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to bring up, and this is off topic too. And maybe maybe this is for another show. Tell me if we're getting off into way too big rabbit trails here. The idea of in the name of, right? Now, this comes, this theological move comes from where Yeshua says, anything that's asked in my name, will be granted, I'm paraphrasing, will be granted, this is in John, okay, John 14. And this is where you get the formulation at the end of prayers, in the name of, G you know, and we pray, we pray this in, the, in Jesus' name, or in the name of Yeshua, we pray, okay? So this is where that comes from. Now, is that what Yeshua meant? I would argue that I think that from even good, true, believing Christians today, this has become a formula that is misused and myself included. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say that I haven't done this too. It, it, basically what this has become is I'm done with my prayer and I'm done praying. Right. Mm -hmm. But really what it means to be in the name of someone is to be fully given the authority and power of that person to speak for them. When you are baptized in the name of Yeshua, it means you are given 100% into his person. The temple was made 
for the name of yod heh vav When it says name of yod heh vav it doesn't mean that his name was written on the side of the walls. It means that his whole person, it was made to worship his whole person and his whole person would envelop this place. So when we say things or do things that are outside of what God has ordained and or sanctioned as truth, when we say or do things that are false and or go against the nature of who Christ is, and we say that it's in the name of Jesus or in the name of Yeshua, I think we're misrepresenting God himself. Well, that's taking the name in vain. Exactly. That's a, that's a, yeah. And so that's when, hypocrisy. That's, when, when that's you've got brutal. these guys on stage that are saying, you know, and this place is going to be the, you know, we are going to bind these demons tonight in the name of Jesus. And then they're speaking in tongues or they're prophesying and maybe their prophecies aren't really from God, but they're saying in the name of Jesus. To me, you better be really sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go to some clips. Let's see here. Clip number one. Now, I put, the reason I pulled these clips is not because I found these and was like, aha. No, Rob sent me timestamps and wanted these clips pulled. So, Rob, you're going to have to, you're going to talk a lot and have, have me stop. I didn't know where you wanted me to start or stop on this one. This is a minute and 43 seconds long, which is a okay, very so maybe long clip. If the, is this the one with the 70s? Seven. I, do, I don't remember. Are, are these are these in order? Yes. Okay, so the first one, if I remember right, is I think it's uh, Pierce talking. And what he's yes, done, because we don't have to listen to the whole thing, but I'll, but the basic point is this. He's oh, taking, let's listen to the whole thing. Come on. The, okay, we'll listen to the whole thing. Let me set it up. He's taking the year in Hebrew, the Hebrew number for the year, 5779, and he makes a point, my year starts at Rosh Hashanah. So he's anticipating the fall feast coming, and we're coming to the end of 5779. And then he's zeroing in on the 79, and he's breaking that into 70 and 9, and then he's doing numerology on 70 and on 9, and then saying that that's what God's movement is right now. If you're not lost, then good on you. So in other <laughs> words, he's attributing, he's, he's looking at the Hebrew year, Five seven seven nine. He's looking at the seventy nine. He says seventy is ayin, which in Hebrew is the word is the i. An ayin is an i, and it's the letter ayin. Because originally in Paleo Hebrew it was just a little circle. It was like a little i. And he says that means God's watching. Because this last decade was an important decade. Okay, God's hang on. Just oh, let's just listen to it. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just listen to it. Now let me share some things with you to. We're at such a key place right now. We're at the uh, end of an era, not not just. Okay, hang on just a second. Now, this is one thing that always interests me. I don't know if it bugs me or not, but it interests me. We're at the end of an era. How do you know that? No, because I because it's the seventy nine. Because we're going to go to eighty. You see what I mean? It's a decade. Okay, hang on just a second. Can, can we just can we just note real quick that the Jewish years are way off? They didn't count the the captivity. Dude, he doesn't yeah. Okay, granted, yes. That's totally great. So I mean they're like what, four hundred and eighty years off at least or something? Or two hundred I I don't even yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's We'd, and and when would they that's start? That's the point. It's not even biblical. It's not even. When would they even scripture? And here's the question: When would they actually start 
start counting <laughs> the cap or stop counting when they're in captivity. Once they're in captivity, have they been in captivity for a while? So, so the idea is you have a teacher who's pro- saying he's prophesying in the name of you know what this Jesus, reminds me of. You know, but this- he's but he's he's interpreting, he's divining meaning from the numerology of the of the Hebrew calendar year. It has nothing to do with the Bible, but it builds. But he needs the Hebrew language to get a little bit of legitimacy for what he's about to do. Did you did, to, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when Mark Biltz tried to to use the verses, the verse numbering in Isaiah to say that that uh Trump was prophesied in some way. Do you remember that? Oh, oh golly. There was <laughs> yeah. Um the verse numbers yeah, are not inspired, kind of, it, it's sir. This, it's the same kind of nonsense. <laughs> this guy would fit right in with that saying. <laughs> maybe that's maybe they were stuck. <laughs> Oh, man, let's get them in contact with each other. Okay, let, let's keep it, keep it going. If you want to add glitter to that glue you're sniffing, that's fine, but don't dump your wackadoo all over us. Uh, ending a year, and uh, my year always starts at Rosh Hashanah, and it's not just about ending a year. It's really not just about... Okay, hang on just a sec. we got to stop again, and the reason why is because there is a faction of people, and I don't know if it's a great faction or a small faction, but there is a faction of people in the Hebrew roots that will say just because he celebrates... Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, that he's got to be right. They'll listen to him just because of that. It sounds like he knows. Yeah, that, well, he's got street credit. He gets he gets automatic credibility by using Hebrew words. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I know we're 20 seconds in. This could take a long time. Just about ending a year. It's really not just about ending a decade. We are ending an era in church history. And that's really what this gathering, more than any other gathering we have, represents. It is so key we are here, and the anointing that God is going to be resting on us tonight is very key and sending through the airwaves because... Hang on just a second. Another thing I want to add... Yeah, People are there going, oh man. Oh my word, I can't believe it. I'm meant to be here. Oh, you know, because they they ask for money a couple places too. You know. Well, here, here's here's the, here's the question that I have. Okay, you got this group. You got what? Five hundred people. Let's let's be generous. Let's say that there's five hundred people sitting in this room. Okay, and okay, mobilizing five hundred believers. Excellent. I think that's great. I I think you could do the same thing with two or three believers. Right, wherever two or three believers get, you know, there I am in their midst. Anyway, but you got churches and big groups of believers within Spokane, Washington that are much greater than 500 people. Oh yeah. So, I mean, why is uh, the, the question that I instantly want to ask is, is there something more special about Chuck Pierce's and Dutch sheets, their presence there? Is there something special about this specific night that is making that those believers come together more important than the other believers that meet every Sunday, every Saturday, whatever it may be, in Spokane. Why? There's a, well, it's a, it's sold as a move of the spirit. They're representing a prophetic movement, and they want people on board, which means pay twenty bucks to to come. And then, you know, they, <laughs> oh, the guys, you can watch ouch. the video. He's got to text your amount to this. You know, they ask for the the ushers to go and and collect money. It's to me, okay. it's a scam. In okay. my opinion, it's a scam. That's my opinion. Let's keep going. We're coming out of a church era, and we're coming into a kingdom 
era of display. Now, he tips his hat just a, just a hair towards, and he, this might not be intentional, and I might be misreading this completely, but it seems to me that there might be some dispensational theology in Mr. Pierce's past. Because when we talk about different eras of, of church history and the church, Israel, all these kind of things, it seems like maybe, you know, this is, this is language that is usually used within dispensational theology. Let's keep going. I mean, really, you're, it's going to be display is what it's going to be. And uh, actually, we start crossing over into that at the end of September of this year. And it's, it's just a, a dimension of 10 years that we've never been in. Uh, before even the history of the church that has been dramatic uh, through the decades we are entering into a uh, 10 year uh, uh, decade a part of the new era that is going to be the most supernatural time we have ever known especially in this nation okay hang on just a sec Why? Why 10 years? Why is it 10 years? And why, why this year? His, his reason goes back to the, the Hebrew calendar, as, as we'll see if, if you keep playing. Okay, we'll keep going. Um, somebody asked when this was. This was August 2nd. Or, or, yeah, it was like two weeks ago. They're still on tour. And, I, yeah. and I've... I've looked a lot at where they're going and, and these kind of things because I find it interesting. What I find interesting is that they think that they're going to all these very strategic spiritual places. Okay, fair enough. I'm not putting that down. But the question that I would have is, did you specifically choose these places and then say, okay, Spokane, Washington, we need to find someone who will host us here? Or did you find people that would host you and say, aha, these are the spiritual battlefronts? In other words, no one. Yeah, I think there's. This, I think there's a. There must be a denominational um, network or something. I. I, I mean, I, I really don't know. Well, here's the thing. Okay, let's look at Washington State. Now they chose. They chose Spokane and they chose Everett. Now Spokane. Okay, I give you. I give you that one because Spokane is the largest city on the east side of Washington State. Okay, you got the most people per capita. However, if you want to talk about spiritual warfare in Washington State, Seattle, Washington is the place to go. you got more homosexuals per capita on Capitol Hill than you do in San Francisco, California. That's not, I mean, go up to Capitol Hill sometime, take a walk around, and tell me that that is more, uh, that they're doing better spiritually than Everett. I mean, come on. Same with Tacoma, where I live. Tacoma, Washington, and Everett, Tacoma's much bigger than Everett, Washington. And I'm sorry, I just don't, you know, this doesn't, there's something that's to me, off it, well, about and that. Here's the thing, too. To me, it's just, you know, like five years ago, it was the blood moons, remember? So, like, why why couldn't this guy give the same message? Oh, we're we're seeing the 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 result of the era we're in, the blood, the post-blood moon era, you know? He's not anchoring any of his prophetic stuff to the blood moons that happened like five years ago, which should he? People, no, I'm just saying, but I'm saying why, 
if you're of that same bent, wouldn't you? Or, or, and here's the thing, are the people who were into the, the blood moons, are they onto something new now? Or are they saying, see, the blood moons are still, um, we're seeing the new era we're in now because of the blood moons. I don't know, man. I, I just, to me, there's no edification whatsoever. So I don't spend any time. The only reason I did look at this is because someone was concerned and thought, said, you know, you need to be aware of this. And I'm glad I, I'm glad I, I'm aware of it. I had no idea. I think this goes bad. I think one of the, the biggest problems that we have right now is that people are focused on the wrong thing. Yeah. And this is one of the things that people are focused on that the T and this is why we see that says in James that the teachers have a greater judgment. Boy. Oh, watch yourself. Okay. That was the end of that clip, by the way, let's, uh, let's move on to the second, uh, the second clip, which I mislabeled. <laughs> oh, I think the second clip might be the first one. Okay. Well, go this, ahead. this, okay, let's, let's go for it. And at the end of uh, this era, which has been in Hebrew, 5779, which uh, you can always tell a little more about an era than 2019 in our calendar. 70 is linked with God watching. Okay. Did you hear did you hear that? You tell more about an era by looking at the Hebrew calendar, which is or, off. No, not the Hebrew calendar, the year, the Hebrew year rather than 2019. In other words, he's like there's no there's no obvious uh, gematria or <laughs> or uh, numerology for 2019, but if I but if I tell them about the Hebrew calendar, hmm, I could get some mileage out of this 79. Well, this right? goes back to the to the notion that all things Jewish are great. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some great things within Jewish tradition, and I'm not saying that there aren't. You know, I believe that Israel is the people of God, the nation that God chose, and I believe that God's covenant endures forever with Israel. Okay, and so I'm not putting any of that down. But the idea that anything, you know, Itzhak Shapira really hit home on this one. If you're not a Jewish teacher, you you know, I'm a Jewish teacher, you're not, and therefore I'm right, you're wrong. Or um, you can't. That's just idiot. That's just idiocy. That's just. Yeah, you can't. You can't. uh, You know, well, we just saw this with Mark Biltz again, too. Mark Biltz just came out there. I will talk about this next time. I thought about this right when we came on air is that uh, uh, Mike in the office who's been chatting. I love it that, that he said, uh, yes, blood moons are so 2014. Um, he, he sent me this article and it's talking about Hebrew trans, like Hebrew Bible translations. And essentially what Biltz gets to is that if the that you should only be reading Bibles that are translated by a Jewish organization. And if you're reading a, a translation by a Christian organization, it's off. I can't believe that people still listen to the, you know, it's just well, nonsense. Does the guy, does he himself even know the languages? No. I mean, is he, is he, no. no. is he like the surgeon or the person standing next to the surgeon who thinks he knows surgery now? No, he's, he's no, 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 no. This is where all these guys fall. And you know what? I'm sure that Mark has got some, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, I think I've met Mark maybe once or twice and he's in this town. He's in the same city as me. I don't want to put the guy down as a person. But he's rubbing shoulders with the wrong people. There's no doubt about that because he keeps hanging out with Itzhak Shapira. But 
You know, honestly, these guys who who uh, don't know any of the languages and that and then try to act like all things Jewish are great. They're like the person who goes to the doctor and says, "Oh, you're wrong," because I looked on WebMD, and WebMD said this. And the person, you know, the doctor's like, "Well, I went to eight years of medical school." You know, it's the same kind of thing. Like, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're anyway. Okay, let's keep going with this clip. You ready? Mm -hmm. calendar 70 is linked with God watching it's been a decade of God watching and his eye being on the movement of what's been going on in the earth realm as we've been moving forward and pause, pause. 70 so 70 and iron so it's a decade of God watching and where and that's his message. And how do we know that? We know it because the Hebrew calendar, not the Hebrew calendar, I'm sorry, the Hebrew year, five seven seven nine, has a seventy in it, which is an ion, which means using your eye and watching. So out how of does all this, the time so only in the seventies does God watch? I would have a question for right? anyone. Because once it turns to eighty, God's not watching anymore, apparently. And when it was sixties apparently God wasn't watching. It's only in the, God is constrained. Right, right. God's activities in the world are constrained to with a Hebrew uh, year that's given. And then the meaning of the Hebrew numerology for each of the letters. What it's the just, it's the worst. This is worse than bad teaching. The, this is, the question that I would have though is for the people sitting in the audience, Everything that he's saying, all these connections to... They're just saying hallelujah. Yeah. No, no, I know. But, but all these connections to, to numerology and all these kind of things, how is this expanding your knowledge and or faith in the gospel? How is this making it so that you no. No, can go not. share the gospel with other people? It's not. It's, it's playing off people's ignorance and emotion. I think so, too. Uh, and then it's asking for money because they repeatedly talk about money okay let's keep going as we've been moving forward and 70 ion is always linked with angelic hosts coming <laughs> and being released so there's been this divine alignment of angelic hosts that have been aligning themselves aligning. with us for the future the alignment of the aligning <laughs> Of the dimension of the release, of the sending. Yeah, so I, I honestly think that these were there certain words are used, probably not he probably doesn't even realize that he's using them in this over way. And over again. He but uses he uses them. them, but I think that they're I think that they're kind of buzzwords that get people excited. They're emotional buzzwords. It, it, it's like this is God's gonna do a move here tonight. This is a special meeting more than any of our other meetings tonight that you're here, God's going to do a movement here. It's just horrible. It's horrible teaching. It's horrible leadership. Well, yeah, okay. Sponsored by Ace Religious Supply, where they say, if we don't got it, it ain't holy. Let's keep going. And 70 is also, and this is what makes it so important, linked with the concept of sending. So we have been in a decade of preparing to be sent. Now that's very important for us as we see and hear 
what the Lord is doing to prepare the thrust from this place tonight, which is so key. Okay. Well, I mean, oh at this goodness. point, I'm let's pretend I'm <clears throat> I'm sitting in the audience, and I've paid twenty dollars. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. What? Well, what Why would you are, do? I would get up and ask for my money back. Like, I, I would can get I stop up, this whole thing. <laughs> I would go back to wherever the registration desk is and say, "This is absolute nonsense. Give me my twenty bucks back." <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. I would try to be as respectful as possible, but at the same time, it's like this is you wouldn't call you wouldn't call BS. No, I don't think I would, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. You know what? These people are bought in. The people that are sitting there saying, Hallelujah, oh man, oh yeah, praise the Lord. I can feel the moving. These people have have bought into it. They're not there's not rational thought going on like, hmm, I wonder if he's, I wonder if this is wrong. Oh, yeah. And if you stood up, they'd be like, oh, he's speaking out against a prophet of God. Right, exactly. I mean, this guy puts himself forth as a prophet. Other people have put him forth as a prophet. So if I stand up and, and rally against him, what's going to happen? Nothing. I'm going to be escorted out. You know, I kind of feel the same way about like inter engaging in debates. And this isn't to put anybody down who, who does debates, but I mean... I don't see, you know, I don't really understand that the point for me to do them. And, you know, now maybe this shows that I'm not as, uh, that I don't have as much backbone as I hope that I have. In other words, I mean, maybe the right thing to do would be get up and say, hey, this is nonsense. <clears throat> Let's open our Bibles and see why this guy is, you know, why this doesn't seem to be holding any water. Maybe that would be the right thing. But is it my place to do that? Maybe it is. I don't know. Well, we're talking about it here, so. You know, if somebody, well, here's the thing. This happened, okay, let's, let's take a walk down memory lane. This happened one time. My dad was giving a conference and I was there. And my dad wasn't actually talking at the time. My dad was sitting at the sound booth, okay? There was another teacher that was up and he was speaking. And he said something, now he wasn't, he said something about the prayer of Jabez, okay? And he was, he was talking about sensationalism within the church and how, you know, Wilkis, Wilkerson wrote this little book and had no clue that it was going to blow up. And all of a sudden it was like the hottest thing you could find. And he walked by a, the, the teacher was talking about this time that he walked by this new age shop. And in the window, there was like, you know, a tarot card deck and like all these different magic things. And then the prayer of Jabez was sitting there too. Right. Wow. And so he's, he's telling, he's retelling this story and this dude stands up in the back and yells at the teacher. How dare you? The prayer of Jabez is the greatest thing that happened in my spiritual life. And I mean, just unloaded. Now, I understand that this man was passionate, and and, and <laughs> I could tell that the, the teacher at the time didn't know what to say or do. Now, I don't know if it was appropriate or not for the man to, to air his, his you know, thought right there and then. Uh, my dad was the one who stood up and said, hey, <laughs> you know, he, he's the one who, who stood up and, and, and dealt with the heckler 
At the time afterwards, granted, the man walked up and apologized for his outburst and all these kind of things. But I guess the question that I <laughs> guess was your mom, I could just see your mom sitting next to your dad saying, Tim, Tim, stay, stay, Tim putting Tim. her putting her hand on. Yeah, put, yeah, put, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. You know my mom I mean, well. She's like now, Timothy, I mean, Tim, Tim, just shh, just be just be quiet. <laughs> and your dad's like, yeah, oh. So, and, you know, and now I wonder who's going to stand up in the middle of the Ontario <laughs> lectures and yell at me. Yeah, here we are. We're like inviting hecklers now. But you know what? Hey, we have, it's always been my dad's policy at his lectures to have a, a time where people can, you know, and I've seen people, when my dad said, I remember this in 2014, I was at a, a conference with my dad. We're off topic, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, I was at a conference with my dad. My dad said, was talking about Jonathan Kahn and he said, don't get conned by Kahn. And this table, I never forget it. This table just stood up and left. <laughs> and then, you know, they were part of Kahn's uh, congregation and they were very offended. But I guess that's, you know, so, I, you know, it's people, I guess my point is, is that we can think this about, about Chuck Pierce and Duck Sheet, Doug, no, what is it? Dutch sheets. Sorry. Um, and, you know, maybe a, maybe an outburst or a, a standing up and saying this is nonsense would have been appropriate. But I just don't know. You know, you guys, if you want to believe your nonsense, well, just the clip that we already played, right? If you want to add glitter to that glue you're sniffing, that's fine. But don't dump your wackadoo all over us. Like, I'll leave the I'll leave the the conference. You can dump your wackadoo all over somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna add the I'm not gonna add the glitter to the glue, <laughs> you know. Like no, no, thank you. Um. Okay. Where are we? We got one more clip. We're, let's go to the other clip. The, we got one final one final clip here. Let's yeah, take a this listen. Is other, this is this is the other teacher talking about dreams, how God okay. creates by dreaming. I think, and it impacted me so greatly because I. Oh, this is Dutch sheets. Yeah. What a name, by the way. Dutch. They work together. They they tour together and one they they now they here's the other interesting thing is that these guys they got to play off each other because Dutch seems to be a much more soft spoken kind of a uh, thoughtful kind of a guy, whereas uh, Chuck seems to be a very boisterous, outgoing speaker. Right. And so you have, in my opinion, they probably should have switched it. Dutch should have come up and spoken first, and then Chuck should have come up and, and rallied the crowd if you're really going to, you know, put on a show. Or thought of God as a dreamer. But the word just means an unfulfilled desire in the future. Okay, hang on just a sec. I do want everyone to notice. I left all of his pauses in to let you hear the candor of, of his speaking. It's, oh, yeah. Pregnant it, pauses, what they call it. Yeah, exactly. And so I then I realized, of course he dreams. God does not dream, by the way. First of all, a dream, he says a dream is an unfulfilled desire for something in the future. And then he's going to talk about the Hebrew word for dream, which is he's to, it's so messed up and wrong. That, this is like and, the question. And just to, just to let you know, in, in the Bible, a dream is when someone has a very specific vision and they often need an interpretation of it. Right. It's well, not an it's not an unfulfilled it's not an unfulfilled desire for the future. That's our modern English definition for we use the word dream to mean that. 
look, I have a dream of of traveling to right, you know, well, Egypt someday. This, this and I want to climb me... the top of the pyramids, you know, or or I want to climb Mount Everest. You know, people have he's using that kind of idea of a dream. That's not the biblical definition of what a dream is. And not only that, time. not only that, but the things that he says and the stuff that Chuck says make me think that they. I mean, and. I know that we got listeners who hold to a free will model. That's totally up to you. But the point is, is that this is your free will. You can free will that. But one. but I think that this actually goes beyond just a free will model. Oops. What is what it sound? Uh oh, we lost. Oh no, <laughs> like, we lost Rob. Like, my camera. <laughs> All is lost. That's the bust my ceiling. Well, yeah, the the uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, can you fix it? Can you grab the? Thank you. Okay. Uh, I think that they go beyond this. Okay. <laughs> knock it off and just set it back up. Good gracious. Um, I think they go beyond this. And I think that they're skating with the idea that, that God doesn't know that God lives in time. <laughs> okay. Keep talking. I'll get that. Going. I have been talking. So I think, I think that they, that they are basically <laughs> pushing the idea that God lives in time and doesn't, doesn't control the outcome of what's happening. I think that's kind of what you know what I've gotten from them. Oh, like like an open theology. Open theism. Of. It's called open theism. Open but yeah, I think that they're theism. they're kind of pushing an open theism. So, yeah. So so the Hebrew word for dream does not mean what he just defined. He just defined it in the English common way. Oh, I have a dream of of living on a farm someday or riding horses uh, through the mountains. You know what I mean? Like people, somebody just said that they thought that your cameraman fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> oh, the English, the English have good, uh, good humor. Okay. Let's keep going. Can we keep going? Let's keep going. Yeah. 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 So it launched me on a study and, Oh, wait, I, I got to say this. You know, one time somebody asked my dad, what, what do you think God thinks about that? And my father responded, God doesn't think. God knows. He doesn't have to think about anything. He is all-knowing. He and already it's the, has his thoughts. And his, it's the, he, yeah, yeah, it's the same with dreaming. The idea that, that uh, a dream is something that is un, uh, unfulfilled yet, a want that's unfulfilled. No, I'm sorry. Like God might not get his way. Exactly. That, that's what I mean by this. It seems like there's a open theism theology going on here. And I mean, are you really going to go sit under somebody who believes in open theology or open theism, rather open theology, open theism, rather? I mean, come on. OK, let's keep going. Found to my surprise that the word create and the word dream are the same Hebrew word. Dun, 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 do you feel? No, wait. Do you feel the audience response? <laughs> so the word <sighs> yatsar, create. You just change it a little, and you have yetzer, and you have the the word imagine, or think, or dream. And what impacted me so much was when I saw that God put the power of creation in. Dreaming. Your mom goes to college. This is, That's this how is... he creates. First he sees it, <laughs> thinks it, he imagines it, he pictures it. What? He creates it. What, what is he talking about? 
dude, I don't know. But here's the thing. It's so he's so soft spoken and he knows how to stop. Trust me, I'm a Canadian here. He's uh, yeah. Well, here's the here's the thing. Wrong. Is that, uh, here's the thing. I honestly he's think never, he's never taken he's never taken Hebrew for more than a week. <laughs> well, yeah, I I understand that 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 he might be a soft spoke more of a soft spoken thinker, but honestly, at that point, you're losing me. When you when you pause for that long, I'm sorry, man. Like, it doesn't help that what he's saying is nonsense. Right. Well, I think I think people like the pause. I think it's um, makes them seem more wise. Effective. Yeah. Effect. It, it. You know, because what it does, it causes the audience to lean forward a little more and to like wait for that next word. I want to read uh, one of these comments on in. So w- before, just go to ahead, point. Go ahead. Go ahead. A his definition of dream is modern English. One of the meanings that's that's nothing to do with the biblical meaning of dream. His claim that create and dream are the same word in Hebrew is absolutely wrong. His use of the <laughs> verb yatsar and what he says is yatser is uh, uh, also completely wrong. Hey, Dutch, wrong, meet, wrong, meet wrong, Rob. Wrong. Meet Rob. Fail. <laughs> Fail. Okay. Um, do we have a buzzer somewhere? We used to have a... Oh, there, we, there it is. Okay. Um, let's... Uh, here's what I want to do. Rob... Maybe this is how the show should go more often, a lot more loosey goosey. We, I mean, I don't have a whole lot. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of structure here. We're just kind of off in no man's land. Um, okay, Rob. The cameraman just fell asleep. The cameraman so just fell asleep, so you done. know that something's going wrong here. Um, okay, go ahead and open up your uh, your chat. Take a look at the chat. You can start. Uh, you can start looking at, at things. Okay, let me find it here. And while you do that. Uh, I, I want to come back to this next week. We're we're gonna start off looking at this next Melta. week. I'm sorry. That was not supposed to happen. What? You've I'm, got me all thinking mail now. No, we all, no, actually we did the mail about the Enoch. So. Th- there's no mail here. Okay. We have no mail. No one loves us right now. Okay. Let's I wanna I wanna look at a couple of these. Uh I don't know if we'll have time for this or not. Okay. So, uh, by the way, the link to this and to the A Time to Plow conference that we've been discussing is all in the show notes. I apologize to everyone. Uh, we, we, we merged all of our mail lists and uh, somehow the Messiah Matters show notes mail got intermingled with the Torah Resource general mail list. Now, I'm going to try to fix this, but, but all of our people um, who have been... Uh, uh, receiving all of the email, but you didn't want all the email, email, you just wanted show notes, I apologize. I'm going to try to fix that in the next week or two. Look at Rob. He's just giddy as a schoolgirl looking at the comments right now. Okay. <laughs> Here's some of the comments that were that took place on the debate between David Wilbur and some guy who believes that first Enoch should be uh, scripture. And you can go and watch that if you want to. It's in your show notes. Okay. Here we go. Nice discussion but the agents, the agency who claims to have the authority to canonize holy books is illegitimate in my eyes. This shows a total and complete lack of understanding of church history. I mean, this right here sets the tone for the kind of people who are going to comment on this and accept the book of Enoch as scripture. 
and check this out. The comment goes on. The Catholic Church is not the authority. The Holy Spirit is, and as the book of Enoch states, his writings were sealed until a remote generation, which is ours. First of all, the the Catholic Church, the Holy Roman Catholic Church, which this person is, I believe, referring to, was not around at the time of the canonization of the scriptures. So right there, huge fail. Second of all, the idea that the Holy Spirit is the one who, and I agree that the Holy Spirit is the one who um, ultimately canonized the scripture. But I think that there is this misunderstanding, and this is what we'll talk about next week. I think that there is a misunderstanding of the work of the Holy Spirit before and after the apostolic age, which would be like after Christ, New Testament era. I think that this comes from, and I just started thinking about this this morning. I think that this comes from dispensational theology, that there is a different age and that the spirit works with, with in a completely different way in this age than he did back before the coming of Christ. Now, I agree. Please don't hear me say that there isn't something different. There is something different in the working of the Holy Spirit. I truly believe that. And I think the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is different and for a different purpose after the coming of Christ. But... Th- I think that people believe that the Holy Spirit did not work in in people the way that that he did before the coming of Christ. <laughs> now I'll need to unpack that because I, I can already hear the, the comments. What are you laughing at? Carl's quote Carl's post. This is back. <laughs> he's after the, the pregnant pauses, he's he gets paid. Da, da, da. By the d- 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 hour. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. So, okay, I'm logged in. What did you want me looking at here? Nothing. You. We we had an idea. Someone someone shared an idea. I thought it was a great idea. That in our in our show we would have question time where Caleb and I both go to the chat room and we Look say, okay, now. And instead of skimming through the whole thing and trying to track, we just say, okay, right now, as of, you know, start posting questions. And for those who really want their questions seen, they can do the little super super chat chat for a buck or whatever, and it'll pop it to the top. And the suggestion was that would help us focus Uh a little better. And I'm I'm open for that. Uh, I'm down as well. That's we don't have to implement that today. Maybe maybe you know, um, we could even have a little it's question time song. And then, because here's what happens inevitably, there's a lot of questions that people post that probably never never they get lost in the mix or. uh, um, But on the same on the same token, I would not want to discourage any of the back and forth that's happening in the chat room because it, it doesn't necessarily have to be monitored. You know, well, it's important. And the, uh, the interesting you know, thing, micromanaged look, we have a lot of people who don't who can't show up for the chat and that's totally fine. But it is nice to, to have people chatting with us and, and be able to, you know. Anyway, go in and, and and discuss. OK, I think we're done here. I, I wanted to give you a taste of the of the comments on the Enoch thing. And we'll come back to the idea of the Holy Spirit in a dispensational theology. What does that mean? And then what should your uh, congregational leader or what should your congregation be teaching the congregants? And in other words, let's put this another way. 
what should your pastor be preaching on? What should he be teaching the congregation? Well, on that, there was a, and maybe we can touch on it. There was a guy from Hillsong who was like one of the main songwriters who's right. now like, I've never been so happy and peaceful, you know, and I, I'm losing my faith. He came out and said he didn't reject his faith, but that it's on very shaky ground. Well, this comes right after Joshua Harris has, has denied the faith. And Joshua Harris, I'm, I mean, I've got multiple people who have, who have said that they, and I, I do tend to agree with this. It looks like he might be heading towards another announcement about his own sexuality. And the reason that, that was said, and it's not a baseless argument. The reason that people have said that and Twitter was ablaze with this as well, is because the very in his in his uh, Instagram post where he said that him and his wife were separating and all that kind of stuff, he he directly apologized for his stance and his previous preaching to the LGBTQ community. So he apologized to them, and then one of the next posts that he made just a few days later was him eating a rainbow donut at the gay pride parade. Oh, gotcha. So some people are saying, well, Harris is going to come out and say that he's, you know, he's he's gay. And then you have this guy from Hillsong. Now, I've seen a lot of posts on Twitter and Facebook. I'm not on Facebook hardly at all anymore, but I've seen a lot of posts on Twitter of people saying that there there's so many people who are, you know, so many famous people who are rejecting their faith and this this move in the church that people are giving up on their faith. I haven't seen that. I've only seen two famous people, famous people. I mean, no, I get, know yeah. that there are quote marks around famous people. Um, you know, I never influencers, influencers. I think Franklin Graham did a good job. Call them either influencers. And why did they have to post it on social media? Because it's about themselves. Well, it, it, yeah. I, I think I think that the Gospel Coalition probably did one of the greatest jobs writing a, an article about Joshua Harris. It was fantastic. It really was very good, and I would encourage anyone to go there. Um, one of the things it, we, uh, we can be zealous for things and and convincing, and to be able to convince other people about what we're zealous for, and we could be it could be completely towards a dead end street or a cliff. Right. I mean, that's why Yeshua says, you know, the blind leading the blind, they are all going to fall in, the, in a pit. Well, I think we saw that today in, a, you know, in the in the clips that were in the clips that I pulled. And granted, I watched two hours of that thing. It was it was difficult. They're making it more like, let's say a person's like at a certain point on a scale towards like actually gaining helpful, edifying nourishment for their souls. Biblically sound, you know, um, Equipping, right, and 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 edification, right. He actually made it. He actually put us, in my opinion, a stumbling block in front of that person, and actually pushed them away from the truth rather than draw them for the truth. That's that's my judgment on the matter. I want to go. Yeah, I want to come back to this next week because I want to talk about the idea of these comments on on the Enoch. Uh, the Enoch debate. And I also want to talk about the idea of, because I think it all ties in. I think all of this comes together uh, as, as one point, but what should your preacher be preaching and what should the, what should your, the leaders of your congregation, what should they be teaching the congregants? It's a great question. Somebody asked me that. And I think it's a really good question. That question was answered for me by a a very, very prominent uh, preacher and and, uh, leader 
And I was extremely grateful for what he said to me because it completely changed the way that I've uh, been preaching to uh, to the people that that uh, I preach to each weekend. And it completely changed the way that I have done my research. And it's completely changed the way that I've decided to teach. And I think it was probably some of the greatest advice that I've uh, been given in terms of teaching and preaching. And I think that it's important for others to know. So we'll talk about all that next week. Boy, oh boy, it's sure fun to be back. And yeah, it uh, is. I'm going to, so what I've noticed is that I, I need to be clipping these, these shows. People like the short clips and I'm going to do that from now on. Give me a little bit of time. We haven't posted anything in Messiah Matters more for a really long time. And I think that we'll probably start doing that maybe next week. Give us another week to get into that. One of the reasons that, and I should say this to everyone, one of the reasons that we decided to come back now instead of taking all of August off is because there will be times in September where we're going to have to take probably a week, maybe two off. So we wanted to come back and give some shows here so that we're not off a bunch in September too and people are wondering what in the world's going on. Um, another thing that we, uh, another thing that I've, the time away has really helped me realize, you know what, we're in control of the show and the people who uh, support us are in control of this show. We don't always have to be on Wednesday. If we do a show on Thursday or Friday, I don't think that anyone's going to, uh, you know, cry foul. Anyway, okay. Well, it sure has been fun. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, all our supporters and those who pray for us. And I was surprised. I'm back out of it now because, you know, but I was on the YouTube for a while. I think it said we had four or 50 something viewers at a moment, and that's live. Right. Um, and so I, I know that that's not people sticking around for the whole hour, but that we don't, Caleb and I don't take that lightly. We, we pray together before every show. We, we talk in well in advance of what we were going to be talking about. We read emails, we listen to voicemails. And this is, uh, this is a, a kind of ministry that we, we see this as, um, something that we hope and pray is of value to you that helps you think a little clearer, you know, uh, well, and that's one of the reasons that we took so much time off is because we need to re- refocus and recenter and talk about, okay, yeah, yeah are we doing this right? Okay, guys, it's been fun. Let me find my outro music here. It's been fun. It's been real. Um, I hope that everyone has gained it's something from It's been fun, it. real. Yeah. I mean, real fun. We hope that this conversation has done one thing and one thing only. Well, the main thing, at least, to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, because Messiah matters. Yeah.